Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. ¿Escuchas ese rugido? ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? ¿La emoción de la libertad? Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Centers of knowledge in the far recesses of the world. We can enrich any information that we want, whether it's already been created before we're born or it's to be created in the future. In order to understand that we have to define digitization and digitalization. Google started out by saying, hey, we're going to document all the information in the world and put it on service so that people can access it and do searches. And then the world took notice, and we started these new tech companies who said we're going to digitalize the processes that we had in the past, and we're going to change everything so the taxis don't have to be waited for at the corners. You could do a ride-hailing app just by entering the app, entering your ID, and entering Uber, and Uber knows where you are, and it picks you up. That's just one example. But that applies to everything, including education. So, when we scan all the information in the world, and we scan all the data and paper information in the world, including the information in advance for 150 years, and we digitalize that, and we put all the curriculum on service, so we digitalize that, and we make this available in real time to students all over the world to be able to have. It means that my friend, Kwabnidi Wang, who was with us a few days ago and has promised to teach AI in Advanceville, came from a school in Stanford, run an AI class in Advanceville. That is the impact. Digitalization will give every country an advantage, including Ghana. The question then is, how do we move from the current problems that we're in to the goals that we want to achieve with a digitalized world? Today, out of our population, that's up to second cycle institution. That's what 1.8%. This is per the population census 2021, right? We are ranked very low, 88, on the digital index level. That's how best our digitalization affects our quality in life out of 177 countries. Out of 76 countries, we are 76 in the OECD. And 81% of our children have no access to the internet. Are we going back to the Stone Age? <laughs> we can't. But 
The solution is not as bad as it looks. This result is as a result of a lack of action to the challenges that we face. We go through six years of primary school plus another three years of junior plus another three years of free SHS. And we can say that free education is very good, but it's not improving our quality. Access is limited because our digitization index has to improve. Our classes are overcrowded. Our ICT resources are outdated, even though we have some. A school like in France will have 3,700 people going through the school. And if you look at the metrics, I'm going to detail at the risk of my, my 10 minutes, but the metrics mean taking all the benchmarks of education globally and measuring them against in France and other second cycle schools. You will find out that we don't measure up. But it's easy to solve these problems. So how do we solve these problems? The nexus between digital identity and quality and sustainable education will allow us to collect data which we can analyze with the AI tools, analytical tools, machine learning, etc., large language models, to be able to tell in real time on a day-to-day, minute-to-minute level how our actions and inactions are affecting our results in real time. We don't need a soothsayer, we don't need a fetish priest. We just need data, which is the new gold. So if we measure these matrices and we target them against tomorrow's market, we should be looking at what relevant jobs will be available in the future and target education as a relevant job. Because education without any nexus to markets and capacity is useless. The jobs of tomorrow are based on competencies. We need to identify these competencies in order to be able to have a predictable goal achieved. There are about 30 competencies. Some of these competencies include artificial intelligence, machine learning, learning, quantum computing, large language models, and most important of all, cryptography. Because an identity, cryptography makes sure that quantum computers cannot break and morph your identity and fake it. Because if it can be faked, then everything else I said before doesn't work. So quantum proof. Cryptography. This was replaced on large language models and learning platforms like Khan Academy and so on that can be tailored to specific groups and individuals. Our children should be trained in this. I think the greatest job to have in the future is prompt engineering. For those of you who are not techy enough, and I'm a lawyer after all, so you can be techy if you want to be. Prompt engineering is the ability to ask artificial intelligence platforms the best questions for the best answers. People think that's a technical job. I think it's a job for historians like me because you have to be able to contextualize and understand the technical precision of what you're asking in order to get what you need out of the AI. Unlike what people think, AI is not going to destroy the world. Just like calculators overtook the abacus will still be alive. AI is a tool for solving problems. And we are the confluence of history, where what we do now can put us in the front and not in the rear. I conclude that digital identity is indeed one of the great keystones for social, political, and economic change, especially if we can integrate it 
into our educational systems so that we can make education ubiquitous and we can make all enlightenment at the farthest recesses of the world available to all, especially those in Afghanistan. I thank you for your attention. Thank you very much. We've now received the presentations of all four. And I thought he was going to be donating a phone to me, <laughs> which was technologically savvy, but I have uh, misled myself. It doesn't matter. Speaking about the question of uh, identity and technology, I was just wondering, only if OK Money had access to these technologies, the shenanigans he passed through as senior housemaster and later headmaster to catch students. So the technology may have come a little late in the day for some people, but it's still not too late. And for those who, who frepped classes, assembly, eh? church service, software is here, if technology attracted them. But all of them have turned out very well and have become useful members of society. Over the next 30 minutes or so, we will be engaging in the interactive sessions. We will ask you to kindly signify by raising your hands. We will invite four people to the mic. I see it here. So if you have something, please come, mention your name, and quickly, if it is a contribution, address a sub-theme in question. And if it is a question you want to ask, identify the speaker. 30 seconds, and you are done. May we, and can you kindly indicate to those who wish to make a contribution or ask a question? So you will be number one, number two. So number one, you come. And then number two, and uh, I've indicated already that uh, the third presenter will be answering that question. Uh, this is not an examination situation where the teacher asks the question and we answer it. <laughs> and you will answer your own question. So tell us your name, who your contribution, uh, what theme it is directed at, or which speaker you wish to ask your question to. Thank you very much. My name is Isaac Frimpon, MOBA 93. My question goes to the first speaker. Doc, you, you made a statement, and that interests me. It says, improving, imposing the Western Star model over our local models. That's when we were talking about technology, how technology should impact. Now, I believe, I mean, this is my belief before I ask the question, that technology should help us or should help us leverage on areas that are available to us. For instance, in Africa or in Ghana, we have fertile soil. So I believe that we should allow technology, we should leverage on that instead of 
probably thinking about going to the moon or any other, um, any other thing. Now, I was once working with Your 30 my... seconds is passed. It's passed. Right? I'll add five more okay. seconds. So I just want to ask, what is your take on the deletion of agriculture science from the curriculum of JHS? Your take on that? Uh, we will take a certain round of questions, maybe three or four, so note the question. And it will give you ample time to check into the curriculum of GHS Agriculture. <laughs> Second speaker. Good evening. My name is David Johnson Atakpa, Mobile 2012. Um, my question is to the entire panel. Now, in embracing technology as a tool to help in education, how do we put in safeguards to ensure that our little ones in society that is exposed to this are going to prevent it from learning certain illicits that are exposed on the internet so that they also grow up in a much more conformed way that the older generation that were not exposed to these things at a younger age did. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, if we don't, have we got a third person? Please. Hello, good evening. My name is Ebenezer Kobna Nyakubidi Nemisa, Moba 1997, Bika Paka House, Lower My question and my opinion, um, at the same time opinion, is this, that um, to whom much is given, much is required um, per um, information about what's going on transparent in the United States. Um, um, 10% of the top wealthiest people own 90% of the wealth of America, and then 90% um, of, the, of, the, of the population um, own just 10% of America's um, wealth. And then um, from another, you could get this in um, Conspiracy of the Rich. Um, um, from another um, a book, you could see that um, 25... Um, you are a candidate top, to be truncated. 25... 25, 25 get to it quickly. 25 CEOs, 25 of, the top, Amer of top American CEOs, they, the money they get, the salary, the annual salary, is more than all the um, high school teachers in America, their salary combined. And therefore, the so question... So if you should um, relate this to what's um, about infantment and some of the top schools and what the role we should play for Africa to... to um, get on the edge uh, as far as technology and whatever, what not is concerned. Um, I think we should um, do more in... Applause for him. Applause for him. Applause um, for him. Very good question. There's more we can do Please. to make the system better. Um, in the internet, from the internet, now, what do you do in Ghana? From politics. So, uh -huh. From politics to education, we do um, traditional... We are still working on traditional policies rather than fundraising. We are working on it. Do you have a question? Yes, my question is that... Ask it. I, uh, why is the um, why is the generation of our time um, um, still talking and saying that the internet is only a door a door to um, viewing illicit uh, material when um, from what is going on on Twitter and other social media and from what is going on uh, from in, in terms of the newspaper uh, in newspapers well, in the United well. States we see that. Um, um, the, 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 internet as, 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 the internet is a house where... I, I can't get it. Thank you. Okay. If this were parliament, the marshals will remove you. <laughs> Give us the opportunity to respond. Give us the opportunity to respond. All right, you alone, we have clapped for you three times. Very well. Uh, I don't see any hands up. So, if... The first was to the third panelist. The second was to all panelists. And the third expressed his view in respect of some matters. But if you can identify a question from the third, 
Identify that question and answer it for us. <laughs> Let me start with you, Dr. Wu. All right. The first one. Yes, the very first question. Okay, the first question was actually to the first panel. But no, you asked a question uh-huh. to yes. me. All right, okay. Yes. So you asked your question. So answer that one, then I'll come to exactly. you. Exactly. That's right. So thank you very much. And uh, I intentionally decided that I was going to leave that part of my presentation uh, because the idea was to generate a conversation. But I'm going to tell you what I did. Part of what we've been doing is looking at how we collaborate with uh, digital technology, AI playing a, a strong role in that. And how does that impact on how we train? Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder. La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. American students and postgraduates to align with what we expect with respect to skills and competencies. And one of the questions I asked was actually to AI. Uh, similar to the question Tim Cook, uh, the CEO of Apple, asked uh, AI about leadership digitalization, and LinkedIn. And I asked, how would we be able to leverage on that for universal health coverage? And I actually got a 10-pointer, which if you're happy for me to share, and I think that that may be a 10-point plan to help us in how we build this. And the first thing it says is to assess the current status, so I need assessment of what already exists in digital technology, digital health, in our environment, in, our, in education, and in health. Because if we don't know where we're starting from, we'll never be able to measure our uh, indicators. The second thing it says we should develop a clear vision of how digital technology and AI can support uh, the goals of universal health coverage, uh, the goals of universal health coverage in our health sector, and how education of our health professionals will translate to that practically. Then he says that we should be ready to invest in leadership. One of the problems with digital technology is most of the people who are leading have no clue what digital technology is about. So we have a small group of tech people who are telling them this is what you're supposed to do, so they don't have an ownership. So we need to actually invest in leadership development in both health professional education and healthcare to ensure that leaders have the skills and knowledge Uh, to effectively manage the integration of uh, digital technology to digital health and to make sure that this has impact. So not just knowledge, education, but how does that translate to how we teach, how, uh, what uh, teaching styles, what learning styles do we use, how do we measure uh, uh, competencies. Simulation is a big thing nowadays, but how many simulation centers do we have in our country? And it says we should leverage professional networks. Uh, in all the different fields, education, health, IT, uh, of course, uh, and then the related adjuncts, and to make sure that we're not leveraging them individually, but we're leveraging them as a group, so that they're basically like on a table discussing how does what I do impact on what you do. And then when we do that, we should then have a way of translating that to best practices. Then it says establish a cross-functional uh, team to oversee the implementation of whatever uh, objectives or goals that we have put together. And that fun- uh, cross-functional team 
to have representation from all the different groups and from all the different levels. So it should not be only at a ministry level. It should not be only at a, a GES or Ghana Health Service level. But it also should be involved, involving private and public. It should be involving uh, academia and industry to make sure that there is ability to basically get a better You have 10 points. Yeah. You've mentioned five. I have. Five over 10, you have passed. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so the other five, you'll give them to the secretariat and they will Thank share. Thank you. But there was a second question for everybody. Yes. In and other I words, think that I, safeguards. So I'll just I'll take the first bite on that because I actually think that that is an important one for us in health. And I'll, give an, I'll use an example because when we introduced... Uh, the uh, digital health during COVID-19. What it actually meant was well, we did something that has never been done anywhere in the world before, put CCTV in patient area in the ICU, and then uh, basically uh, connect that to a monitoring room adjacent to it. So it meant that I was seeing every single thing happening 24-7. My colleagues were seeing that all our monitors were networked to that monitoring room. But that has a danger, because we are not the only people who have access to the digital information in the system in all the hospitals that we put this in. And we quickly realized that uh, because expediency was the first thing, how do we save more people? But then privacy, uh, issues of people's information. There are people who, for good reason, do not want anybody to know that they, where they were and what they had. So we quickly had to liaise with the technology people for things that we had no control as to how do we safeguard this? How do we make sure that we are the only ones who have access to this information and that you had a direct access? So and I think that this should be very intentional. It should be proactive, not preemptive, as a lot of the things we do. And I believe that there are systems uh, in education, in health, that we can leverage to make sure that we protect the privacy of people. We uh, make sure that information, which is now a currency and can be used for and against people are also protected. But it is a very important question, uh, and it is something that we should always have in mind as we develop uh, digital technology. Thank you. Dr. Champo. and as you answer the general question directed to you, I'm sorry, the specific one, also address uh, safeguards. Yes. So I'll, I'll go to the question on agriculture. So I'm working with uh, Peter Antonio from Mobile 92 to build agriculture in Ghana. We've been working. One of our projects is to give about 10,000 laptops to students in agriculture across the country. And we've been interviewing young girls in agriculture. And one of the things we've been asking, or what's emerging is that young people who work in agriculture now are people who develop their interest earlier. Right. So it's, it's those who develop their interest in agriculture earlier that went on to love it. Sadly, the, the people who dropped off, dropped off actually because of what they felt or how they were treated in secondary school. So the love was in the junior high school, but the drop off in secondary school where this is a, a patch going weed as punishment. So I would say that we should not remove it from basic education. But I... I mean, I ought to choose my words carefully. I'm not sure the government is saying they've removed it. They are saying they've removed it as a single subject. That's what they are saying. But they found it in other ways. So I can get the argument where 
entomologists are working with insect science, right, which is directly related to agriculture. Biochemists are working with food science to give us the best nutrition. So I don't know how that's going to play out. But I would say that it should be maintained and then kids exposed so that the love is built earlier. Because one of the biggest crises we face is the crisis of food. If you don't know, this year we started imposing maize in huge quantities from Ivory Coast and um, uh, Burkina Faso. And in the next two, three years, unfortunately, maize imports are going to rise close to what we have with rice, sadly. So that's the, the, the risks. Technology. Maybe what I am going to say, rather, is that, and I go back to why do we digitalize? And for whom do we digitalize? I think Dr. Nanafe went on to that. We did some work um, with the port as part of the expansion. And one of the things we wanted to do is introduce an RFID technology system that sort of matches your car number. So if you don't have an appointment, you can't enter. Then we quickly realized that uh, a lot of the trucks had defaced uh, uh, number plates. So then we, the machine AI has to be retrained to learn again. And then we realized, well, the appointment booking system, a lot of the truck drivers didn't work. So in the end, I remember some of them coming. You know the logics. <laughs> so, so it's those kinds of things that you have to... For me, I think that whatever technologies we are introducing, they have their risks. But those risks are mitigated if we understand for whom and for what reason we are building. We do not just build technologies in a vacuum. In education, in, in my field, for instance, we've had the cost of building strong systems for education and examination is, is nearly impossible for the university and, and at the scale and cost that we have it. The University of Ghana is about 75,000 students. I have a class, Introduction to Business, that's about 6,000. Now, where do I put them? Even if I uh, mixed up the multiple choice questions. Look, after one or two or three rounds, they begin to play around it. So these are things that we must begin to look at and design systems to fit the people. Once we can fit to the people, as doctor says, I'm sure... We, the rest, we can unravel them as we go along. But I'm not a tech person. Moses and Doctor are here, so maybe they will do a better job. Nana? <laughs> Great. Okay, so your question boils down to security. And let me give this uh, scenario which really happened uh, during the COVID time when it became necessary that uh, <clears throat> schools have to find ways to continue education using various technology. In fact, a lot of kids genuinely and without any prejudice were exposed to certain content online whilst they were logging in or whilst they were doing their online studies during that period. It wasn't intentional. They were online, then something popped up, then they click before they realized some uh, unwholesome content and uh, those who are curious pursue <clears throat> some. And please, uh, a little survey that we did indicate that uh, 
I've worked on the, what we call the child online protection policy of this. And so uh, some work that we did indicate that during the COVID time, the exposure of children to unwholesome content on the internet increased. Not intentional, but by virtue that now they have to learn using these devices. So there is the need for us as we digitalize the entire economy. And there, there is something that we need to understand in the whole spectrum. As you digitalize the economy, the digitalized economy will naturally produce digitalized job opportunities, which will require a corresponding digitalized working force. Now, what it means is that whether you like it or not, you will have to digitalize yourself to survive in the digitalized economy. Great. So these children, right from school, are gaining that digital skill. But the exposure and the danger there, that is why some of us haven't worked on the cybersecurity uh, 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 and other things. We were happy when eventually the uh, government launched the act, and not the act in 2020, that the cybersecurity act uh, 2020 at uh, 3038. Now, in that act, provisions are made to secure our cyberspace when it comes to some of these things. We also have the Data Protection Act. So, it is not just implementing the technology. We need to look at the security aspect of it and implement the security before deploying the technology. So a lot of parents now, and let me give this, if you see your kid trying to like the room with his uh, device than to join you in the hall or to be in the company, please be worried. There has been an instance that a child in Africa here was always in US in terms of his device. And the mother thought that the mother thought that she had a good daughter. She doesn't like going out, always indoors, and that. Then after attending one cyber security seminar, uh, she came and wanted to find out. So while the daughter was in the bathroom, she took the tablet. Of course, uh, the daughter is a child, so the parent has the authority to assess the device. And the mother broke down in tears. <laughs> you see, the daughter has been engaging with a lesbian, and so all the time the daughter is indoors, and she likes to be indoors. So the security aspect, so this one, how do we secure the space? So the telcos play a role, the ISP providers, in our case, NCA, and other stakeholders have to come to play. I remember in Ghana, we signed a deal with IA, that's Internet Watch Foundation. Now, Internet Watch Foundation is an organization in UK that has the authority to pull down content by instruction from government. So, for example, if there is a, 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 let me, a pornographic content that is going around and it's, uh, children are uh, having access to it, by that arrangement, and let's say it is on Facebook or something, it is government that can uh, approach this Internet World Foundation, which Ministry of Communication, I remember there was a, 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 a something like that, 
for them to pull that content down. On your own, you cannot pull any content down. Los mejores viajes nacen en la carretera, pero este comenzará en tu mente. Escuchas ese rugido? Sientes la experiencia de poder, la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Facebook. So this, some of this arrangement, and that comes to policy. So all these things we are talking about, what is the policy? We have the ICT facilitated policy. What is this saying? We have ICT in education policy. We have uh, broadband policy, universal access policy, all these things. What is the security element there? And how is it going to ensure that we leverage technology to our advantage without exposing ourselves unnecessarily to the cyberspace and cyber attack? So that is a, 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 a true case study that we need to look at. And please, uh, with the devices, let us also learn as parents how to use the parental control. So the thing is, it is bad to take the device away from the children. Don't try it. Don't think that they are being exposed so you are taking a device. Somebody will give it to them. They will then be curious to assess somebody's device. And you don't know the content on that person's device. There are some people. And so for me, for security purposes, one thing I don't do, I don't like looking at people's device because I don't want. <laughs> yes. And as we go along, maybe questions will come in that direction. On ethical note, as, as an ethical uh, a tech person, please do not try to look at people's device. It's unethical. On that score, we'll invite the final panelist. <laughs> if you've got any contribution to make in respect of any question for the floor. I have a promotion first. Where's my mic? No way. I have a promotion first, and then I, I will answer your question. Doctor, call margins. We can solve all your problems. <laughs> the problems you've enraged. I'm not a female. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, these are all thinking questions, and some of the elements of it have, have already been answered. But let me try and reorganize it in my mind. That the, um, actually, in the context of Ghana, we have created an environment where we can build access control to all these things specific to particular industries. Because we're in education, let me stick to education to be relevant. We have a national ID system that has biometrics, fingerprints, all our 10 fingerprints, facial recognition, and iris. We have a Ghana card that has three profiles that can be used to access all resources, governments, or private, and be restricted depending on what the purpose is. We have a derived credential from the card that has a digital certificate that's an end-user public key infrastructure cryptographic certificate, what you call it. So when you're interacting with any digital platform, you can prove with your private key and multiple factor authentication, including biometrics, they are who you claim you are, in order to grant access to, say, a server. 
Now, the rest of it, as Dr. pointed out, is not really technology. It's about understanding what your goals are, where you want to reach. So if you want the digital economy and we have a certain benchmark of matrices that we want to get to, we design that. Then we make policy. That will drive us towards those goals. Behind policy is legislation. With legislation, then guides how the private sector and governments will behave in order to build resilient infrastructure. So in schools, if the infrastructure existed, for instance, you can have your Ghana card to tap to an NFC or put in a reader before you get access to the internet. When you do that, it could ask for if you have a multi-factor code, if you have a phone, or a biometrics, or your face. As soon as you access, it knows you are below 18, right? Once the, your ID is below 18, the Active Directory and the device management platforms and the restrictions will automatically kick in. Certain sites will not open. This is a design thinking, right? So you can't go to any porn site. You just can't go because we know your ID already and you are browsing. And it can also look at your track history. So if you're a minor under the guardianship of somebody or under the parentage of somebody or your teacher, they can actually track what it is that you're looking at and spending your time on if they have the legal rights. So it follows law, right? Now, I have a, a company that I advise. Uh, I'm on the church advice, a Danish company. I'm also a shareholder, a, a board member here. And they've designed uh, a school platform that has a Wi-Fi connection, say, in France, from you can connect to Wi-Fi, but you're not on the net. There's then a local content server that's downloading curriculum that is structured for the students. So you're not paying any internet cost, and you're not going anywhere else, but you have all that you need already downloaded on the server. So if you think through it, depending on the environment, depending on the rights, depending on what you, you can achieve, you have a combination of... of Identity verification and control, Active Directory, device management, cryptography, and uh, public infrastructure to protect your critical assets. Whilst you grab the access control based on profiles, you can't do profiles if you don't have a digital identity. You can't do a digital identity that's verifiable if you don't have a legal identity. Once you establish that, like well, they're going to cut policy, legislation, implementation become easier because the foundation is already there. Thank you very much. I was going to be bringing the curtain down after 30 minutes of interaction, but I will indulge you and take a question or two. If there is a lady, first of all, we'll go to the lady. If there is a lady, if there is a lady who has a hand up, if there is a lady, in the absence of any ladies extending their hand, having been called four times, I will give the privilege. A gentleman, so I recognize you. Um, 30 seconds, all right. <laughs> the working time is part of the 30 seconds, so it's now 20 seconds. I beg. <laughs> Good evening. Um, Samuel Boyte Segwefia, mobile six. And Samuel, what Boyte Segwefia? I mobile was wondering whether it was Bonzi Simpson, it sounded like Bonzi Simpson. <laughs> And the owner of waste segregation systems. Um, my question is to the first speaker and the last speaker. How do we make technology more affordable for the young Ghanaian entrepreneur? 
So, um, getting professional help for making applications, good HR, bookkeeping softwares, uh, a bit expensive. Most young entrepreneurs... Um, Question noted, how do you make technology affordable? It goes to the first and to the last. Thank you very much. Uh, the 2003 says the 1983 should, should go. Mr. Baded, if you heard the question, how do you make uh, technology affordable, in a sense, to the average Ghanaian? Yeah, it depends on what the average means and affordability, right? So, primarily, it depends on what you get out of the technology that is, decides whether you're paying the right price. But because we have cloud computing now, he was talking about accounting, right? You have very big accounting platforms that are on the cloud that are designed to meet the needs of most small businesses at a fraction of the monthly cost. Instead of buying an on-prem ERP system, which is more expensive. In most cases, these cloud computing accounting platforms are quite professional, reliable, and confidential. And as you expand, you can pay for extra modules that meet your needs. And because a lot of people are using that, it's very affordable. So it can generate your accounts, give you all the best ratios and everything that you need in real time. It can help you use AI predictive tools uh, to tell whether your company is going to go bankrupt or when you're out of cash flow and etc. And you will pay maybe one hundredth of the cost of buying an on-prem one. I don't know if that answer your question, answers your question. It does. But each different question on technology will require a different answer, Very well. different solution. Yeah. Uh, would you stand by his answer or do you have something to say? I, I I will just say that use what's available also in terms of the universities. If you went to the university, there could be a third, fourth year student who can design something to fit when you buy him fried rice. <laughs> Very well. Uh, bear with us, would have liked to have this interactive session much longer, but we are keeping an eye on the time. At this juncture, I will invite, in the order in which they presented, each of the panelists to give a two-minute summary. Highlight the key takeaways that you want the audience to leave with in two minutes. So let's start with you, Dr. Champo. Yes. So basically, the first thing I want you to take with you is that we should not leave I don't want to use the average or common Ghanaian, but the disadvantaged Ghanaian behind. Because the thing with technology is, it's not its availability, but capacity to use. Right? As Amartya Sen says, the being rich or not is the ability to do. And so even if it's available and you don't have the ability, then it's, it's non-existent. And in the context of entrepreneurial education, and capacity to change things. I do not believe that we need to necessarily jump to high-level digital tools when the fundamentals are weak. The fundamentals being lack of electricity that can drive that technology, right? The fundamentals being the educational capacities of the students. I had hoped that someone was going to comment on my slides or PowerPoints. Those were sentence points, and it points to the quality of education. And this is a master's student output. 
These are the kinds of things that I'm talking about. The ability to ask quality questions. That will get the AI or the tools to give you. And so it is ability to do. And how do we build those abilities? It is beginning to invest in the right educational systems. But what is right educational systems? It is educational systems meant for us. Not meant for the Western world. Thank you very much. Thank you very much. Um, we will hear all our panelists in their two-minute summary. And then after that, my attention has been drawn that being online amongst the audience are students at the school. And they've got a couple of questions to ask. We are doing all of this for them. So after we take this summary, permit me to have their questions asked and answered. Nana Doctor, Great. two minutes. So uh, for us to be able to leverage digital technology for our good, we must make intentional effort by trying to localize the manufacturing of some of these technologies. That is the only way we can sustain its usage. By trying to localize it, we cut down costs involved in acquiring them, by localizing it, it becomes easy for us to replace them easily. By localizing it, we have control over how they design and how everything should be. By localizing it, we are sure that nobody has put a bag in the system to be recorded and transmitted overseas. Whatever. There are a lot of other systems here. There are bags in it, you know. There are a lot of systems, they are basing you, you are using somebody's receiving every information on your device and that. Especially a system that are imported. Let us try to localize it. We are producing graduates who have capacity to do some of these things. Let us use them to develop some of our systems so that our system will not have a critical information system that is developed by a foreigner. No, that, 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 in this area, that shouldn't be. You have an easy system developed by a foreigner. You have, uh, lucky the uh, NIA system is developed by our own uh, 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 senior here. So the national identification system, I would say, is localized, is owned locally. So our critical data there is not being managed or another third party elsewhere does not have uh, access to it. That is how we should go, localizing the development so that we have control. That will minimize our, uh, our vulnerability in terms of cyber risk and that. So I think we should look at that space. And again, let me retrace this. The digitization is coming like a cloud that's going to fall like rain. Wherever you find yourself, Begin to get your raincoat. That is, when I say get your raincoat, that is get a digitalized skill so that you will not be left out. If you're a teacher, you will only be left out when you do not have digital skills. Because then you will be using AI and other things to teach and that. So wherever, whichever profession you find yourself, begin to digitalize yourself so that you become relevant in the digital economy. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> Dr. Wu, two minutes. Hello. Hello. All right. So um, it is important that as we um, endeavor to ensure that. Escuchas ese rugido. Sientes la experiencia de poder. 
la emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC. Every one of our citizens, irrespective of where they find themselves, get the quality of health care that they need without bankrupting them. Uh, that's, we realize that that is basically tied to how we train our health professionals. Um, a lot of emphasis during education has been on acquisition of knowledge and a reproduction of same. And that is how we examine people in most of our universities. As uh, Dr. Champo mentioned earlier on, uh, he's not alone in teaching quantums of people. And then when you have to mark scripts, uh, because you think ahead about the scripts you're going to mark, you set questions that you can mark in time. And that a lot of time does not uh, serve uh, to assess uh, knowledge, skill, and competencies. And at the end of the day, we expect the health professionals to uh, basically to um, uh, look after human beings, to look after people based on competency and skills, which we have not had enough time and we have no leverage on technology to uh, uh, give them acquisition of that. So I think that it is important that we, while we leverage uh, technology or digital technology in education, that we tailor that to our different industries, and in my case, health, and what our targets and objectives are, that we contextualize that for what our environment and settings are. Uh, and uh, so that at the end of the day, just as Dr. Uh, Dr. Dana uh, uh, mentioned, that we are very... Uh, 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 intentional, very proactive about the fact that the person who does not have te uh, technical skill with respect to digital technology uh, is going to find difficulty if he's an instructor in utilizing that. So we're not only teaching people their industry trade, but also the utilization of digital technology in their industry, how to make sure that that gives them the answers, predictive answers that they need in determining the outcomes that they want. Um, it means that it has to be multi-sectorial. It means that it has to be multidisciplinary. It means that we have to leverage the role of every single one of us, irrespective of what our fields are. But more importantly, I think that it has to be intentional. It has to be preemptive and has to be proactive, not reactive, if we want to achieve universal health coverage. Thank you. Thank you very much. And finally, Mr. Baden. The doctors have put me at a disadvantage. I think they've answered most of the questions and summed it up quite nicely. But let's relate it with education. And I like what the doctor was saying about localizing technology. We must not just be users of technology must be creators of technology if we want to be in the vanguard of the new digital economy. And it must start right at our tertiary education institutions like Amphansbom. And Sydney has asked the question, how do we bring analog teachers to digital? We do that by training. It's not that complicated. It's just a thinking problem. You know, today as we speak, my team is writing my speech by converting my speech to text automatically so that they can give it to whoever wants it afterwards. But in all this, it will be a typewriter in shorthand. So you see how the world has changed. 
I can lecture, I give a lecture. People say, oh, of course, I'm running with my senior fellow, which you're paying. They say, oh, you're too busy. I'm like, no, what I can do a day would take somebody six months to do because I work with digital tools. I don't never sign any physical documents. It doesn't matter whether I'm in Spain or Azerbaijan. I can do my work. So a teacher in advance from should be able to be trained to even work from Tamale and still deliver a quality lecture. If the best physics teacher in Ghana is in Paga, he can teach all the Ghanaian students physics. Better one excellent teacher than 100 bad ones. We can use technology to, to do that. In order to do that, we must own it. And our thinkers must fashion the thinking that goes into policy and law so we can have the right outcomes. So, yes, we must localize technology, we must own it, and we must have a change mindset. Because every business that you're running today is already dead, if you didn't know it. You know, I said that in 2017, a long time ago. And since then, most businesses have been dead. You know, most businesses I know, when I started business two years ago, are dead. Because you need a raincoat, because it's going to rain. Thank you. Thank you very much. Keeping an eye on time, uh, Mr. Morgan, can you assist us with the questions from... In fact, Good evening. That's what, all right. Hello. My name is Paul, Paul Kumi, Mobile 2013. And these are questions from Infansum students who are watching us currently. The first one is coming from the Deputy Head by Academic. And the question is, what is the assurance that if these policies on digital technology were to be allowed in schools... In Ghana's current economic situation, it will go through. And the second one is from one student from the Writers and Debaters Club, and this is going to Mr. Moses Baden. And it says, all the technological inputs discussed, how well do you think it can be implemented with financial and structural constraints of the free SHS policy? Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> they are fast being uh, let's attempt to answer both questions. I'll not throw all questions to everybody. One was specifically addressed to you. Mm -hmm. So, Mr. Baden, you will answer the question addressed to you. And if you can speak the mind of current or future governments, please do. Uh, <laughs> Nana. That other question about assurances in respect of the policy on digitalization, the same ilk, uh, if you can endeavor to tackle that. A minute each, as I said, I'm mindful of the time and we must draw the curtains down no later than three minutes to seven. I think the deputy as well is asking for a political speech, <laughs> <laughs> a campaign speech. I don't want to disadvantage my senior Ankama Samoa, but I have to answer the question, right? So, and, yes. And thereby disadvantage you. Ankama, <laughs> <laughs> I, I guess you do the closing prayer so you can you have some <laughs> <an> opportunity. <laughs> anyway, it's for the reason why in my 2013 guest speech, at the 2013 speech day, after analyzing all these, in order to have the freedom to innovate, innovation is everything, and to fashion education that's relevant for this time, you must have some degree of ownership and control. 
In fact, some cannot get to the future without a digitized system to manage the school, whether it's education, it's content, it's uh, discipline, whatever it is. We need a digital platform. We need to archive all our information, and we need to digitize our curriculum, and we need to make it accessible to all students in the schools and remotely at all times. Because, as Doctor says, it's going to rain. And if we know it's going to rain, and we need that degree of ownership, then we need to take the school back. That's a new hashtag. How we do that is for brave people to configure. And the first has enough subject matter experts in all the areas that we require to make this happen. And I'm very confident. I've stated this several times. I want to make a campaign speech here. I'm very confident that we can do it. We can do it if we can show that we can raise enough money more than government can provide for us in 20 years. That's why we need an endowment fund. Let's, let's uh, draw the curtain on this. This one. At this point. <laughs> uh, Nana Ferry. So one on minute, the please. issue of policy, <laughs> yes. So when it comes to technology, the policy is not enough. Just getting the policy is not enough. You need to proceed to have a legislation and even further get a regulatory framework. Now, in talking about this, that policy and whatever we want to do with it must be contextualized with our pedagogical framework. The teachers here know. So, <laughs> so we need to situate it within the educational context to make that technology relevant to the teachers and the other stakeholders within that space. It will require standardization. That means that there must be certain standards across board in terms of deploying in any of these digital technologies. There must be the political will must be there. Now, what it also means that in Ghana, we are, we are fortunate that some of these things, uh, we have not been having internet cards, system cards, but in other countries, government officials or the politicians try to reduce the digital enlightenment of their people because they are afraid. The moment the people become more enlightened digitally, uh, it becomes difficult to, 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 to I mean, control them. So in Ethiopia and other places, when there are elections, they cut internet service and that. And so as we are building this army of digitalized, skilled professionals, we must be intentional, deliberate in terms of these policies, and all of us parents must be involved. Civil society organizations must begin to advocate for policy inclusion and among other things. Else, when we leave it to the politicians alone, they would develop it to sue them whilst endangering our education system. Thank you. I believe all of our panelists deserve a round of applause. Thank you. <laughs> Permit me to much truncate my own remarks. I'll just leave us with a few points. One, if we look at the theme itself, having heard all of the speakers and considering what has been discussed, the curriculum at all levels, basic, secondary, tertiary, has to be looked at to feature and factor 
digitalization, digitization, IT, and the like. So the curriculum. Two, the teacher has to be equipped to utilize digitalization, digitization, <laughs> IT, in all forms. Where necessary, the basics such as laptops, projectors, and more sophisticated things. Three, the learner, the student, also has to be equipped. Learner can learn sometimes from downloading stuff, doing simulations, etc., etc. Four, the school authorities themselves can use these means and have deliberately avoided seeing digital. <laughs> I am aware, for example, that school records right from inception through to now are being converted from analog to digital. It's a project that the headmaster, together with an old boy, are working on and they must be commended. And finally, protective measures are to be put in place so that abuses are not undertaken. We are in October, and interestingly, this is the cyber security month. There would have been considerable other takeaways by all of us, and as we repair to cocktails, we can have further discussions along these lines. At this juncture, may I ask that we rise to take the school anthem. We will be singing verse one only. <coughs> may someone give us a tune, if not moderator will call out the tune. ese rugido. ¿Sientes la experiencia de poder? La emoción de la libertad. Ya estás preparado para vivir tu nueva aventura. Nueva Ram 1500, hecha para vivir. Ram es una marca registrada de FCA US LLC.